You're listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we are working to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to hear good news and as we scatter to share it. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanian, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Abigadir for this morning, Jesus gathers you as helpless sheep and sends you as ready shepherds. We'll have to do a little bit of work to find out where that is in our passage this morning. But Matthew begins in verse 35 by just giving us an overview of Jesus' ministry up till this point. It's a bird's eye perspective of what Jesus has been doing. So we're in Galilee, the northern part of Israel, and Jesus is traveling around all the cities and villages, and everywhere he goes, he goes into the synagogue. Now, that would be the place where the Jews would gather on a weekly basis. They would sing a few hymns. They would go through some prayers, a few readings, and then someone would expound on the readings from the law and the prophets. But what Jesus does is different to what's been done in the synagogues. Instead of preaching the law, he's proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. What is this gospel of the kingdom? Well, essentially what Jesus is saying is, I am here. The kingdom arrives wherever Jesus arrives. The king, the person of the king is here and the kingdom is with him. We also see that Jesus' message is not separate from his works. He is proclaiming the kingdom but he is also displaying the kingdom by the works that he does. By healing, by giving sight to the blind, by casting out demons. This, the works that he is doing point to the message that the kingdom is here. For instance, later on, John the Baptist would doubt that Jesus is really the one. And listen to what Jesus says. 
Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. This all points to the fact that the kingdom of God is standing in front of people, and it requires a response. Jesus said to the Pharisees at one point when they, they were saying that he was casting out demons by Satan, he said, but if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. The kingdom is standing in front of people demanding a response. As John the Baptist said earlier on, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus is in fact doing exactly what John the Baptist was doing, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, except with one small difference. Where John was saying, the kingdom of heaven is near, Jesus is saying, the kingdom of heaven is here. And so, in the place where the law was being expounded week after week, Jesus instead gives the word of promise. He gives the good news, the gospel the word that brings about faith and repentance in those who hear it. From there we move on to verse 36. We know from earlier in the Gospel of Matthew that because of Jesus' good works, his healings and so on, everywhere he went there was a crowd that was tagging along behind him. And so Jesus looks out over this crowd and what does he see? He sees shepherdless sheep. Now I know that sheep are very cute looking, but if someone ever calls you a sheep, it's probably not a compliment. I had the privilege a few months ago of spending a few days on a sheep farm. And while I was there, we had to move some of the ewes with their lambs from one pen to another. The first thing you've got to be careful of is that if you stand in the wrong place, they'll trample over their own lamb. And once you've got them safely out of the pen, they'll just charge straight off and forget that they've ever had a lamb. Now some of them, not all of them, at that point will remember and they'll just stand there bleating, looking around in a hundred directions, but only not in the direction they should be looking in. And that's what sheep are like. And then if you take that picture and put a whole bunch of sheep alone in the wilderness with no shepherd, well, you get the picture. But then what happens, all of these people are confused sheep, they don't know which way to go. And then you get people like the Pharisees who stand up and say, you just need to do 100% of the law, and then some. And the people respond, oh, so that's the way we're supposed to be going. As Jesus said once of the Pharisees, they tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. What's the result of this? The people are harassed and helpless. They're weary, they're worn down, troubled and downtrodden because of the weight of the law that is on them. What does Jesus say? They say, stupid sheep, when will they get it? No. 
Jesus has compassion on the multitudes. Who will preach to them the good news of the kingdom? You see the difference between Jesus and the Pharisees? Another description of the Pharisees we get later on. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves, nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte or convert, and when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. The Pharisees are standing outside of the kingdom of heaven, standing outside the door, pointing people away from the kingdom. All they have to offer are burdens that crush people with sin and shame. Whereas Jesus is the one who says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is the one who said he is the door for the sheep and he is the good shepherd who cares for the sheep. Brothers and sisters, what does this mean for you? We often hear that we will not make it through the world unscathed. I try to imagine sometimes that I'll make it through just one week, just seven days unscathed by the world. We, know, we all know that's not true. We come to the end of the week weary and helpless, worn down by just the humdrum routine frustrations of life and battling against our own sin. And that's the reality. We might want to imagine that we'd be weary from doing the work of the kingdom, and yet most of the time our weariness comes from just those battles against our own sin and normal life. And so the good news of a compassionate Savior, the good shepherd who cares for his sheep, is for you every day of the week. This is something that you can and should be preaching to yourself daily, that you can find rest that does not come from the law, whether in your work, or looking for work, or in your studying, or whether you're seeing that your household is in order. You can daily exchange the burden that is on you for the yoke that Jesus has won for you. Now we come to verse 37 in our passage. There's about to be a change in Jesus' ministry. Instead of being the only one to proclaim the message, Jesus chooses to use people. Isn't this amazing? He could have done it by himself, and yet he chooses to bring people and give them the privilege of being part of the mission that he is working towards. He introduces this new idea to his disciples by saying, pray for the ones who will be sent. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. Who is this Lord of the harvest? Well, in chapter 10, Jesus is going to make it quite clear. 
He is the Lord of the harvest. And this should be an encouragement to the disciples because his position has never changed. Even though they are coming into his mission, it is still his harvest. It is not their harvest, not their mission, not their job to create a harvest. Their only job is to be laborers under him, the Lord of the harvest. In a little while, we'll look at the details of what their task is. But we can pause here and see that this is actually a good prayer for us. It's part of the way that we can pray, your kingdom come. Just like we heard this morning, the kingdom does not need our prayers to come. And in the same way, the Lord can send laborers without having to be asked to send laborers. But one thing that this prayer does is it submits itself under the will and mission of God. Now, Matthew never tells us if the disciples actually prayed or not. But in verse 1 of chapter 10, Jesus does what he's asked the disciples to pray for. He sends out the first 12 laborers. And guess who? It's the same 12 that we presume were praying. Matthew then goes on to name these 12 disciples for us. And there's not too much we can say about this group of apostles, except to say that they're not exactly the standout candidates. They're not the first choice of any hiring committee. Two weeks ago, we met one of them, Matthew. Someone who is sitting on the fence between two nations and ending up being hated by everyone. Someone who is just trying to make his own way in this world, an outcast, a helpless sheep, until Jesus sought him out and rescued him. That is in fact one thing we can know for sure about all of them. They were equally lost until Jesus found them and preached good news to them. Now, as we go further, it's going to be helpful for us to note that what Jesus isn't giving us is a missions formula. He's not giving us a model for how ministry should be done. Some things are going to change and some things will not change. What's the disciples' message that they are sent out to proclaim? It's a very simple message. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The king is here to take on you all of your sins and gather to himself his sheep who believe in him. The disciples are not responsible for how the people respond to the message. We would see that if we went on to verses 11 to 15. Their only job is to be faithful to the message of good news. And the Holy Spirit takes the word of promise and makes it effective in hearts. Just like Paul says in 1 Corinthians, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, 
but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And once again, we see with the disciples, just like we saw with Jesus, their words are accompanied by their works. The two are not separate. They are sent to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. They are displaying once again the kingdom of God. By what authority can they do this? Look at verse 1. The Lord of the harvest has all authority in heaven and on earth, so that when they speak, their words have the authority of the living word, and their works are because Jesus has the authority over every evil and every effect of the curse that is at work in the world. Do you notice something? Look at the contrast between verse 1 of chapter 10 and verse 36 of chapter 9. The disciples began as helpless, weary, cast down. And yet Jesus is in the business of transforming helpless sheep to be shepherds equipped with his authority, ready to go out and seek lost sheep. Jesus chooses the weak, the foolish, the outcast, and in that he is shown to be strong. He receives the glory because it's not his servants building a kingdom for him. They are simply pointing to the kingdom in his name. Jesus goes on to instruct the twelve to have nothing to do with the Gentiles or the Samaritans. Now the message of the kingdom was supposed to come first to God's first people, Israel. There are some good reasons for that. For instance, God's promise to Abraham that through his descendants, all peoples, all families of the earth would be blessed. But it's also helpful for us to note that this is not the end of the story. It doesn't end with only staying within the house of Israel. Because a few chapters later, we see these words. Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Brothers and sisters, what does all this mean for you? Well, in a few minutes, you'll hear the familiar words, you are sent. And so as you go out into this week, you can know that you go out with Jesus' authority to proclaim the good news. You have the authority to give the message of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. You don't have the responsibility to change people's hearts. You have the responsibility and the authority to proclaim the good news. And you don't have to look far to see that lost sheep are plentiful. 
just a note here as well. This authority that Jesus gives is packaged with a single purpose, to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. It's not authority given to you to make your life comfortable or successful or prosperous. This authority operates at works in submission to doing God's will. This authority is for the one who seeks his kingdom and desires his will to be done. And brothers and sisters, you have a simple message. The kingdom has come in the person of the king. The king took on you all of your sin, shame, and weakness, and he is himself the door to the kingdom. As you go out, there's no need to worry about your intelligence. You don't need to win every argument. You don't need to be as winsome as you can possibly be. You don't have to have all the knowledge. You don't need to worry about the knowledge that you don't have. Jesus is simply sending you out to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. And as you proclaim, confirming the message by your life, by your loving and serving of your neighbor. But another question, what will drive the disciples to fulfill this mission? What will drive you to accomplish what Jesus has given you to do? The law? Well, surely not. The result will only be that you'll be even more discouraged. Look at the second half of verse 8. You received without paying, give without pay. Or you received freely, give freely. Jesus is not talking about wages here, or money, or any kind of stuff. We see that if we look at verse 10, because we know that a labor is worthy of his food. Jesus is talking about the word of promise. You have received the word of promise so that the word of promise can go out. Like the disciples who were once lost sheep, metamorphosed into the ones who are sent to lost sheep. Try and picture it like this. You're lying in a hospital bed after a doctor has given you two weeks. And someone comes to you and gives you a small bottle of liquid and says just one drop will completely cure your sickness. And what's more, this potion, this liquid will never run out. It'll always replenish itself. Now suppose you decide to take that, having nothing to lose, and you find that it is actually, it does work, that it heals you completely. What would you do with it? Would you just put it in a dark cupboard somewhere and forget about it? Surely not. If you have the answer to all sickness in your hands, surely you would be running through the hospital offering it to all who would receive it. Of course some people will think you're crazy. But that won't matter to you. You have the answer to all sickness in your hands. That's not a perfect illustration, 
but you have received something that's even deeper, even worth more than a physical cure. You have received the message of eternal life. The king has taken you from death row and given you an inheritance in the kingdom. So surely, in love and honor for him, you'd want to take that same message to all. Of course people will think you're crazy. Some will even turn against you. But the grace of God should impel you to let that grace flow through you. It is because you were once harassed sheep, because you were once weary and helpless and lost, that you can have compassion for those who are still lost. The grace of God bought you and shaped you into what you are. And so now you desire to magnify that grace of God in the world. And what's more, you have been given the authority and the message and everything that you need to carry it out. Jesus gathers you as a helpless sheep and sends you as ready shepherds. Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.